with the 32nd pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast. I'm Fran Duffy, and bowl season is kicking into high gear, and underclassmen announcements keep rolling in, giving us a ton to discuss this week on the show. We begin things at the top of this week's podcast on Draft Buzz, where I chat with Tony Pauline from DraftAnalyst.com to talk about some of these draft-eligible players who have declared already, particularly at the running back position. So you certainly do not want to miss that discussion. After Draft Buzz, we'll transition to scouting report, where this week I'm going to break down a player who has accepted his invitation to the season. Senior Bowl and who will be one of the impact players in the first round of the college football playoff. That's Notre Dame running back Dexter Williams, one of the best big play backs in the NFL draft. After that, we'll get to our Saturday scouting segment where Ben Fennell and I will break down the prospects that he saw out in the desert last weekend and give you a peek at some players who you should be watching this Saturday as well. Then we wrap things up on Draft Mailbag where I'll take a question or two from you guys and answer them here on the show. As always, we've got a ton going on this week, so let's get things started with the latest and greatest surrounding the 20. 19 draft with our buddy Tony Pauline in Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. It's time to welcome in my friend. When it comes to breaking news surrounding the NFL draft, there's no one better than Tony Pauline from the Draft Insider from DraftAnalyst.com. Tony, Last week, he dropped a little bit of a bomb on us. I shouldn't even say a little bit. It was a true bomb on us when you talked about Dwayne Haskins reporting uh, and declaring for the draft. He hasn't yet made that official yet. He may be waiting for after the bowl game, but uh, a couple of the other teammates that that you mentioned along with, uh, Mike Weber Jr., the running back, Draymond Jones, the defensive tackle, they have since made it official. So we'll see when when this kid Haskins is going to declare for the draft. There's all the rumors about Justin Fields, the, the true freshman quarterback, previously from Georgia, potentially transferring to OSU. I would think you know, that this is only a matter of time, so we'll see. But uh, with Dwayne Haskins in the, in the back seat now, anybody else? Is there anybody else you're expecting to hear from in terms of entering the draft the next few days? Well, next few days, I think, you know, as the bowl uh, games uh, come to an end, you'll start to see guys uh, make their declarations as we have. We've got a couple guys from uh, Fresno State, I think, who are about to announce, including Mike Bell, Junior, the uh, defensive back who we've spoken about a couple times on this podcast. Uh, tonight, San Diego State plays. This could very well be the final game for their tight end, Calais Waring, mm. who I'm hearing very good things about. He's very likely uh, to, or, or is heavily leaning towards entering the draft. Um, but I, I think the big news that I'm hearing right now, and it's not going to come in the next couple of days, is that we're going to see a, the floodgates open at Alabama. And there could be a lot of surprises. You know, besides the top-name guys, um, there could be some guys who basically are first-year starters or, or just getting their feet wet with playing time who are going to enter the draft. And I keep hearing that Josh Jacobs, who is basically the, the, uh, the third running back at uh, Alabama for the Crimson Tide, is very likely to enter the draft. Uh, there's going to be some surprises from that program. Scouts told me that there could be as many as 14 players from Alabama uh, they expect to be selected over the seven rounds of the 2019 draft. So I guess they are also expecting a large number of underclassmen from the program to uh, enter. Very interesting. Well, you mentioned Josh Jacobs, and and there are a handful of underclassmen running backs that have already declared so far, Tony, and, and with a couple of big names that we're still waiting for. But, you know, we know how you feel about Mike Weber from Ohio State, so we'll leave him aside. But let me ask you, of this group, 
Who are scouts most excited for from this list? You know, they're, they're, these are the guys so far that have declared that are big names that a lot of draft analysts are excited about. There's Justice Hill from Oklahoma State, Devin Singletary from Florida Atlantic, Darrell Henderson from Memphis, and Benny Snell from Kentucky. I want to know of that quartet, which guy is getting the most love from teams at this point in the process? Well, it's definitely Snell. I mean, the first three guys that you mentioned, Justice, Justice Hill, Darrell Henderson, Devin Singletary, you know, they're all very productive backs on the college level, especially Henderson, who had uh, over 1,900 yards rushing this year and 22 TDs. Um, but these guys are really not projected as anything other than situational backs at the next level because they're small. I mean, Hill is probably going to measure under 5'10", about 190 pounds. Henderson is barely 5'9", uh, just about 200 pounds. And Singletary is the same sort of uh, size. He's almost a carbon copy physically of Henderson. And while those guys can produce at the next level, they're not going to be feature ball carriers. They're, they're situational third-down type backs. You run the toss sweeps. You run, run the pitch-outs uh, pitch with them. But you're not going to use them. You're not going to ask them to carry the ball 15, 20 times a game or do much carrying, on the, uh, carrying the ball on the inside. When you look at Benny Snell, I mean, he is the bigger back who can take a pounding. He's a terrific pass catcher out of the backfield. He's more than a downhill grinder. If you're watching, he's got excellent short area quickness. He can run over defenders. He can make them miss. Has an excellent burst. Doesn't have the great long speed. It's not going to be a ball carrier that runs to daylight. But someone who, if there's, a, if there's a small opening there, he can beat defenders into the open field. Does the little things well. Uh, blocks. Uh, when, when he was asked to block because they had a running quarterback in Kentucky, he did a good job of it. He's a guy who has been a Real, has uh, been very productive the past two years and has shown a straight line of progression in his game. So I think right now of the, of the backs that you mentioned, and really many of the, uh, even the other underclassmen backs who may enter, Benny Snell is the guy who uh, is creating the most excitement. He's got a little bit of Le'Veon Bell in his game, someone who I expect to go uh, somewhere in the second round. Also has, you know, some good bloodlines. His uh, great uncle, Matt Snell, uh, was the bat, was the main running back for the New York Jets when they uh, won the Super Bowl back in 1969? A long, long time ago, but still, you like to see those bloodlines. Well, it, it, it's interesting. It'll be very interesting to see with that whole group. You know, Singletary is a guy I'm really excited to watch. Honestly, Tony, I haven't watched, I haven't studied any of those four guys, so I'm excited to to dig into their film. It'll be after the Senior Bowl as we get ready for the combine. But uh, excited to watch all of those guys. But one guy I have watched is Noah Fant, the tight end from Iowa, uh, who declared for the draft, Tony. And most mock drafts right now have him in the top 15. It seems to be pretty much a preconceived notion that he's going to go that high. I'm going to be honest. I like Fant. There are a lot of things to like about his game. He's really athletic. He can be a mismatch type player in space. But I don't know if he's that kind of guy. You know what I mean? Like O.J. Howard went 19th overall. I thought he was a much more complete player. Evan Ingram that same year, you think, okay, that's the same kind of player as what Noah Fant is. He went 23rd overall. The year before, Hunter Henry went 35th overall. you got to go back to uh, 2014 with Eric Ebron when he went number 10 overall to the Detroit Lions. That's as far back as we go to see a tight end go that high. Do you think that Noah Fant ends up going that high? I'm not sure how I feel about it as we sit here today, although this draft is a little bit its a little bit weird at the top, so I guess anything can happen. Well, it's weird if you get past the defensive linemen. Yeah. Um, I tend to agree with you about Fant as a player. Now, the things that he has going for him are, number one, I reported a while ago that tight ends are going to be overdrafted. There are so many teams that need tight ends. Tight ends are going to be selected much earlier uh, than people 
presently grade them, or that's what the projection, that's what the feeling is right now, is that the uh, tight ends are going to go earlier than their grades would warrant. Because, number one, there's such a shortage of them. As we've mentioned time and time again on this podcast, I mean, the top tight ends are going to come from the ranks of the underclassmen, the, the juniors and, and the redshirt sophomores, if any of them enter, uh, because the senior class is so weak. And, and, you know, teams just want that type of guy. Uh, there's talk that the Denver Broncos are going to take a tight end very early, early in the draft, could take a tight end with the first pick, uh, or they're picking round one. I put that out there, which is why I think Fant is getting a lot of play in round one. Now, I tend to agree with you on Fant's skills. I mean, when I did my, over the summer, when I did my summer scouting series, when I watched Fant on film, I said, you know, he just doesn't look like a guy who gets separation down the field. Uh, based on what I saw on film, and, and I took a lot of flack for it. There were some people who, who compared him in the league that say he's an Evan Engram type of uh, tight end. There are some people who tell me that he's going to test off the charts. I'll believe it when I see it because, you know, I don't think he's not going to run the 4-4s like Evan Engram. I mean, at least on film, he looks like a 4-7 or a 4-7-5 guy. Uh, you know, he, he gives effort blocking, but he's not the blocker that O.J. Howard was when O.J. Howard put his mind to it and decided to block. Uh, he's not as complete as O.J. Howard. He's not as athletic as, uh, as Evan Engram. So I'm of the mindset with you, but I think uh, there is such a need at the tight end position that teams may overlook some of the, uh, some of the physical shortcomings or may try and sugarcoat it because they need top-rated players at that position. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because he, he, like I said, I, I like Noah Fan. I, I like what he can bring to the table. I just didn't, I didn't watch him and walk away saying like, yeah, this guy's a lock for the top fifteen of the draft. Um, let me ask you this: There's two underclassmen pass rushers that just declared. We've talked about a lot of the big names, right? The the Polites and the uh, the Brian Burns, the Cleveland Farrells, you know, all these guys. But let's talk about Sutton Smith from Northern Illinois, and let's talk about Max Crosby from Eastern Michigan, two underclassmen from the MAC, from the Mid-American Conference, who just declared for the draft. I haven't watched either guy. I kind of know the book on Sutton Smith, extremely productive. I know he was a first-team All-American, but very, very small. But what are your thoughts on both of these guys? Well, you just mentioned it with Sutton Smith. And, again, I go back to what I wrote over the summer. I mean, you watch the film, he just pops out at you. He's constantly making plays. He's constantly disrupting uh, the action uh, and the opponent's game plan. I mean, almost single-handedly altered uh, the MAC Conference title game in the second half when uh, Northern Illinois came back and beat Buffalo because he was, he was uh, just harassing the uh, Buffalo quarterback. Uh, a guy who, you know, is double-teamed in the MAC and can't be stopped. He's smart. He's intense. He's fundamentally sound. He does a great job using his hands. But, I mean, he may measure six foot one, 235 pounds, which means he's going to be downgraded. And you don't know how fast he's going to run. Uh, and it's a situation where he's going to be a scheme-specific player or even more to the point He's only going to be a player for a certain number of teams where a creative defensive coordinator is going to have to find ways to make him be productive. And I've said this numerous times over the past couple of weeks on my own podcast. I mean, it's almost like a, a situation with a Teddy Bruschi or a Mike Vrabel all those years ago where you know, they, were, they were great football players on the college level. They found ways to compete. And they found ways to make plays, but they just didn't have the next-level measurables. And they got to the New England Patriots system, and Bill Belichick was able to find ways and Bill Parcells, for that matter, was able to find ways to put them in positions to succeed. So I think that's the situation with Sutton Smith. Really going to have to wait and see what his measurables are, 
what his testing numbers are like before you, we make a determination. I had him rank, I had him graded as the sixth rounder over the summer. I could see him moving up into that third, fourth round area, but you've got to wait and see. Sort of a similar situation with Max Crosby, although he's got much better size. He's got better length. He's got better growth potential. Uh, he's a terrific pass rusher. He's a guy who, like Sutton Smith, has shown consistent improvement in his game. Entering the year, I had him graded uh, over the summer as a six-round choice. He, he just played good football throughout 2018. The game against San Diego State when Eastern Michigan went out west and lost a close contest where he was basically all over the field harassing people really opened the eyes of NFL scouts. I think the thing with Max Crosby is he's a little bit – he's tall, but he's thin. He's about 245 pounds. If he goes into off-season workouts and he tips the scale about 255 pounds, and he runs well. Runs well means under 4.75, runs good short shuttle times in the low fours, a decent three-cone time. I think Max Crosby can jump into the second day of the draft. He's a guy who I think you can use him standing up over tackle. You can use him out of a three-point stance. He's intense. He gets it. He's a very hungry guy. He has to succeed at the next level. So there's a lot of things I like about Max Crosby. I think based on his size, he just has a higher upside than Sutton Smith. All right, so some news on some uh, interesting pass rushers for fans out there interested in that position moving into this draft class. One guy, and we'll talk about some upper class now, Tony, uh, who was added to the senior bowl roster in the last week is the Baylor wide receiver Jalen Hurd. He was a converted running back from the University of Tennessee. I actually kind of view Hurd as more of a Trey Burton-esque move tight end at the next level, but I know most still view him as a receiver. Even though he's 6'4", he's 230 pounds, there was a report that he got knee surgery a couple of weeks ago. Is he going to be ready to play in this game in the Senior Bowl? What's the word on, on Hurd at this point in the process? I heard it was, uh, I mean, what I'm hearing is that it, it's minor. You know, you'll have to wait and see how he, uh, how he rehabs. Hopefully he plays because, you know, as you said, is he going to be a wide receiver? Is he going to be sort of an H-back tight end? I mean, are people going to use him at running back at the next level? So, I think the senior bowl is very important for him because it's going to erase a lot of questions in people's minds as to where he's going to, uh, where he's going to line up at the next level. I think as far as, you know, will he play, it's just going to be a wait-and-see scenario. You'll have to wait and see how the knee comes along, you know, if he's going to need anything else to, uh, to, to fix the situation or how his rehab is going. Hopefully he shows up. I, I'm glad he accepted the invite. I think it benefits him to show up. Let's just hope that he's healthy enough to play. All right, so let me ask you this question, Tony, because at this point, and I said it earlier, it's kind of a weird group in this draft. Like, just, you know, looking at mock drafts and, and just how people are talking about this draft, is this being considered a strong draft by scouts? Like, how, how do you think uh, that people view this talent at the top? How do you think they feel about the overall depth of the class? Obviously, still early, but I'm anxious to hear what your sources think about this group overall. Well, they're happy because of the defensive line group that's coming out. You know, uh, the media likes the sexy positions. They like the quarterbacks. They like the playmakers at the top, the wide receivers, you know, occasionally the, the running back. But when you look at from a, uh, an NFL war room, an NFL front office point of view, yeah, they want quarterbacks, but they also want cornerbacks, they want tackles, and they want defensive linemen. And this because defensive linemen, you get a good defensive line, they can uh, erase a lot of deficiencies in other areas on that side of the ball. So when they look at this year's defensive line class, what's in it and uh, who's in it right now and who's expected to be in it, they're very excited. You're going to hear a lot of people downgrade the draft because 
uh, the lack of quarterback at the top of the draft, especially coming off of uh, last year. Some, you know, you got a couple of cornerbacks who are going to break into the top 15. No receivers of note, no real running backs of note. Uh, but the defensive line class, I think, is going to make the 2019 draft, and it's going to make it makes a lot of people in the front office and in the NFL war rooms very happy. So let me ask you a follow-up to that, solely about the quarterback position, because last year, obviously, like you mentioned, it was a great quarterback draft. We know that. We also know that this year's group just it's just not as strong. So how will that affect the middle round or the late round picks? Do you think that we'll see some of these guys bumped up, the, the Gardner Minshews and the Ryan Finleys and the Clayton Thorsons? Do you think those guys will get bumped up, or do you think the league has kind of moved on from making those decisions based off of some of the mistakes that we've seen in years past? You know, with the guys that you mentioned, except for Minshew, I think regardless is going to be a late-round pick, it's really going to come down to senior bowl practice because, as I've said here a number of times, as you have seen, you know, your experience, senior bowl practice is a kingmaker at the quarterback position. You know, you look at the Eagles, Donovan McNabb, Carson Palmer, David Carr, Phillip Rivers. I mean, Phillip Rivers entered the uh, – entered the senior ball as a fringe first-round pick, had a great week, and moved into the early part of round one. Carson Wentz, perfect example. I mean, people said, all right, late first-round pick, just had a knockout the senior ball week and became the second pick of the draft. Now, I don't think that the guys who are going to be playing at the senior ball, whether it be Drew Locke or Ryan Finley, Will Greer, Clayton Thorson, or Jared Stidham, are guys who are going to move into the top half of round one. But I think that they're guys who are kind of look, looked at as maybe soft middle-round picks right now. And if they go to the Senior Bowl and they have three good days of practice, I definitely think that they're going to solidify themselves as potential second-day picks. Clayton Thornton and Jared Stidden have a real lot to, uh, to gain from good weeks at the uh, Senior Bowl. Will Greer as well. I mean, I think Locke and Finley are, are definitely second-day picks right now. They could uh, elevate themselves into the early part of the second day, but... We'll have to wait and see uh, with the Senior Bowl, and, and even at the Shrine Game, you got Jordan Tayamu uh, from Mississippi, uh, who's been invited there. And if he has a good week, uh, he's going to help his draft stock as well. Yeah, keep an eye on Easton Stick as well from North Dakota State from the uh, for the Shrine Game as well. Tony, let's wrap it up. We've got our mock draft roundup, and this week we're going to go with Dan Kadar, his most recent mock draft over at SB Nation, where he has the Eagles selecting a new name. We've talked about this guy plenty on the show, but really this is the first time I've seen him mock to the Eagles. 18th overall in the first round, uh, this is Ja'Kai Polite, the pass rusher from Florida. How do you like the value there for Polite in the middle of round one? And keep in mind, of course, for you guys listening at home, Polite has not yet declared for the draft officially, but that seems to be the, the idea, is that Polite would declare. How do you feel about that value there in the middle of round one, Tony, for Ja'Kai Polite? You know, you got to wait. Obviously, you got to wait and see who else is in the draft, but you look at the Eagles' history, they've had success with that type of player. You go back to Trent, the undersized sort of edge rusher. You go back to Trent Cole those years ago, Vinny Curry, Brandon Graham, you know, regardless of whether you think Brandon Graham was worth uh, where he was selecting in round one. He's had a long career with the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, and he definitely helped secure that Super Bowl victory. So, I mean, I have my concerns about Polite, as I do any undersized edge rusher who's a bit one-dimensional. But the fact is this, is throughout their history, the Eagles have had a lot of success with that type of player. So there's no reason to think that, you know, that wouldn't be a a solid pick or a definite consideration if he's there uh, with the 18th selection. 
Well, great stuff, Tony. We appreciate you, as always, for joining us here on the Journey to the Draft podcast. We will talk to you again next week. Look forward to it. Thank you. Great stuff from Tony. You can follow on Twitter at Tony Pauline. By now, you can know you can always follow me on Twitter at FDuffy3. That's where I post all the stuff I'm working on over at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. So things like the Eagle Eye in the Sky articles, the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, our Saturday scouting column, whatever X's and O's content you're looking for, they'll be there as well as on PhiladelphiaEagles.com or the Eagles mobile app. All right, let's keep things rolling here. I teased earlier that I would break down Notre Dame running back Dexter Williams, a guy who has really boosted his stock this season and is now in the mix as one of the top senior running backs for the upcoming draft. He's the subject this week in our scouting report. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, Dexter Williams, 5'11", 215 pounds, a senior from Orlando, Florida. And if you're not familiar with him, he's been a pretty fun story this year because his mom, who's actually battling a couple of terminal illnesses, actually moved in with him this summer and is living with him in his apartment on campus. And Williams was suspended for the first four games of the year. So his mom moved up to South Bend with him, made sure he was handling things the right way, being away from the game. And in the process, she's kind of become a mom to the entire Fighting Irish football team. So kind of a fun story to follow there. But when you watch Williams on film. You see a one-year starter for Brian Kelly in that offense, lined up primarily this year in one-back sets, and spent most of his time running gap scheme runs with some zone concepts mixed in. He's got above-average size for the running back position, very explosive athlete, lateral quickness to plant and go at an instant. They like him in those downhill gap schemes like counter and power, and he does a good job of playing off his blocks. He's very patient to the hole, doesn't try and force things, and then he shows trust in his blockers to do their job, and then he just glides through traffic, playing off one block block to the next. So even though he doesn't really have great wiggle, he does put himself in good spots. He doesn't really run himself into contact as a runner. He's a big play guy, plenty of juice. He's got the ability to accelerate through the hole and change gears once he hits the open field. He can be a a factor on perimeter runs, getting to the edge. Very confident, decisive runner who rarely dances in the backfield. And he's also a violent finisher who will throw a shoulder at the end of runs and try and pop a defender on contact. He didn't fumble one time in the four games I studied, even though he carried I think over 20 times on all four contests has the power to carry piles and run through contact and he can be used on wheel routes and angle routes out of the backfield thanks to his speed now from a negative standpoint Williams doesn't have a ton of wiggle he struggled to make that first man miss in the hole and even though he's got some pop he didn't run through tackles when he did initiate contact he wasn't shaking free to keep going so making that first man miss will be a big question for him he wasn't targeted much in the passing game in college and when he was I would say at best he showed solid hands so uh, from a passing game standpoint he's going to need to work there as a receiver but then also as a pass protector he'll just lower his shoulder and while he's a willing blocker he needs to get better with his technique and be more assignment sound he looked a little bit lost in protection at times then you get to the medicals you know he missed a few games last year as a junior with an ankle injury he's battled a couple of nagging injuries throughout his career so that'll be something to watch he's also had some off the field stuff as, as well I mentioned earlier he was suspended for the first four games this year reportedly involved in an incident a few years ago uh, with a couple of teammates as well so there's are things that he's going to have to answer for throughout the draft process as he interviews with teams. But at the end of the day, this is a good-sized back who can burst long runs and be a factor between the tackles. He's got the physical ability to handle a relatively heavy workload based off what I've seen this year. And while I wouldn't, I don't think he's necessarily the foundation of an offense, I think he could be a lead back in a committee kind of situation. Both the off-field and the medical are going to have to check out with this kid. But uh, you know, the, I think to me, he's look, he has the look of an NFL runner. Uh, can he pick up more than what he's blocked for? That's going to be the big question with him. But overall, he's got pretty good film. I'm excited to see what Williams looks like in person. And then 
to see how he tests. So that's kind of how I feel about Dexter Williams. Very, very intriguing player. Again, one of the top senior running backs in the country. So uh, before we transition to our next segment, you guys know how much I love it when you tweet out the show or you post about it on Facebook. But what we love most here is when you take a minute and you head over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, give us a rating or even leave us a comment. Let's give some love to Ryan K823, who went onto our Apple Podcast page, left a five-star rating and a question about offensive linemen. And Ryan asked, Fran, after hearing your opinion about Dalton Reisner, the tackle from Kansas State, I was curious on your outlook on this year's tackle class. The Eagles are certainly in a position where they may look for a guy to replace Jason Peters or a right tackle if Lane Johnson slides over to the left side. Obviously, Jonah Williams is a beast, but he will likely be gone by the Eagles pick. Are are there guys that you like as a potential fit for the Eagles at tackle? Ryan, very good question. I've watched a bunch of offensive linemen in this draft, and I think there's a, a bunch of future starters in the NFL. To me, The best pure tackle may be Andre Dillard from Washington State. He's a good athlete, plays with good balance and bend. He uses his hands well in the passing game. He's used to playing out in an island in that scheme. I think you're probably looking at him in round two, but potentially on the back end of round one. Again, he's going to be a senior bowl guy as well, so we'll see how he does in Mobile. I think he's got that kind of talent. Greg Little's a player that a lot of people are really high on. He's got great size. He's smart. He's pretty tough. He's a bit raw with his hands, though. And, you know, would he be the ideal athlete to play tackle for the Eagles in this scheme? That's a question that I have based off the sophomore film that I watched over the summer. He does look the part, though, and a lot of people think he'll be in the middle round area of this draft, the middle of round one area, I should say, in this draft. And one guy that has been listed in that same area as a potential pick for the Eagles in mock drafts has been West Virginia tackle Yadni Kajus. He's a bit undersized, 6'4", 315 pounds. Some might like him better at guard, but he's strong. He anchors really well in pass pro. He's a pretty good athlete. He suffered two season-ending knee injuries in his career, though, with the Mountaineers. So that will be a question for him. Uh, another tackle I really like that's caught my eye is Titus Howard from Alabama State. This kid has got a really high ceiling. I think he's going to be a riser in this draft process. He's 6'5", 300 pounds. He's got long arms. He's got really good feet. Played both tackle spots this year. He's a guy I absolutely have my eyes on because his film, even against bigger competition like Auburn, was really, really intriguing. I can't wait to see him at the Senior Bowl. Then you look at Mitch Hyatt from Clemson, just a rock-solid option at tackle. Started for four years at Clemson on the left side. Good pass protector. I love his mentality. Uh, There's a lot to like there with Mitch Hyatt. Then you look at Ethan Greenidge, an interesting developmental guy as well, out of Villanova. He'll be at the Shrine game next month, so I may see him down there. He's got a basketball background, big kid, light feet. You know, Long story short, Ryan, there are a handful of really intriguing tackles that I'll have my eyes on going throughout this process for this team if they decide to go that route in the draft. So great question. Thanks again for your support on our Apple podcast page. And again, if you want your question answered, feel free. Follow in his footsteps, leave a comment on there, and it'll be answered here on the show. All right, it's about that time. Let's welcome in Ben Fennel and look at some of the biggest matchups to watch this weekend in college football. It's time for Saturday Scouting. All right, it's that time of the week. Time to welcome in my buddy Ben Fennel, who you can follow on Twitter at Ben Fennel underscore NFL for some Saturday scouting. Ben, uh, this past Saturday you were at the Las Vegas Bowl, so you had Arizona State, Fresno State, and the two guys that we were most excited to hear from were Keyshawn Johnson, the wide receiver, the senior from Fresno State, and the senior defensive tackle from Arizona State, Rennell Wren. Still waiting to hear from both of them. We didn't, we didn't see much of either guy in the bowl game. Listen, they were all over my radar. They are all over scouts' radars. I watched them in warm-ups, yeah. pre-games, the whole deal. And then when the game hit, neither of them really made a peep. I think yeah. Keyshawn Johnson had two catches for 30 yards. 
not a whole lot of impact. Rennell Wren, I'm not sure he had a tackle. But like I've been saying about Rennell Wren in that 3-3-5 stack where yep. he's really just eating up blockers, eating up space. If he can't make an impactful play with his get-off and really disrupting with that first step, his job's really just to eat up, sp- eat up space and keep those linebackers free. So he's a guy that's going to be a better NFL prospect than how he's being used in a scheme at Arizona State. Did Arizona State do anything specific that you saw when you were watching the game for uh, Keyshawn, or was it mostly just, you know, it wasn't a factor? No, he just wasn't a factor. He, mm-hmm. he had some single coverage opportunities that, you know, the quarterback missed on him, a couple uh, slot fades and things like that. Just, just wasn't a game for his number. All right, well, who did stand out in this game to you, number one at the top of the list? Well, I know he's not draft eligible, but he's getting a lot of attention, a lot of eyeballs. This running back, Eno Benjamin, Arizona Mm. State, is a very, very impressive player. He's now the single-season rushing record uh, holder for Arizona State. He already broke the uh, single-game record with a crazy 312-yard rushing performance earlier this season. But you get to see the contact balance, the open field agility, the toughness. He's got the speed to turn the corner. He could put his nose down and lower his pads in between the tackles. He's just another one of these intriguing running backs in this 2020 class, whether it's Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, Najee Harris, Jonathan Taylor, Kylan Hill, A.J. Dillon, DeAndre Swift, Travis Etienne. Or Etienne. I mean, this 2020 class is just looking deeper and deeper as we're getting down to it. I just don't think this year is that deep of a class of receivers and running backs. We've been spoiled the past two years, looking like it's a bit of a down year, but it's going to pick right back up next season. Yeah, I think it's going to be very, very interesting to see how many of those guys do decide to come out. Obviously, not all of them will be seniors next year. A lot of them mostly are going to be juniors. So some of them could decide to go out because, you know, hey, look, I don't want to throw my hat into the ring of this giant class. I can come back and be the top dog next year. That's something to consider. But you also have to think about these guys have been bell cow ball carriers as freshmen. So they have a lot of production, a lot of on-field time, a lot of wear and tear, a lot of mileage. I don't know if they really need that senior season to prove anything to NFL scouts. Yeah, so who else stood out to you in this game? A lot of interesting players. So this Fresno State defense is very underrated. They brought back their entire back end, the safeties in the corners. They have Mm. 17 picks this year. They're one of the better third-down defenses in the country, great in the red zone. And this safety, Mike Bell, is a really interesting player. He's only a junior right now. There's some rumblings on he might be declaring in the next week or two. Yep. He's a long, physical guy that could get down in the box. Eno Benjamin had a great first half. In the second half, they started to roll the safety down into the box and really bottled up the run. And that's kind of what paved the way for them to turn around and win that game in the second half. Yeah, you saw the yardage totals for that Arizona State offense was not favorable whatsoever to the Sun Devils. I mean, Fresno State completely shut them down. And then late in the game was the final drive. You hate to see this because, you know, he's a senior playing his last game. Uh, Manny Wilkins goes down with the injury. Yeah, that was a nasty injury. It was just great to see him walk off. Um, Did not look pretty. I was very shocked to see him walk off. But he's a great college quarterback. You know, I don't think he's going to – really has anything to intrigue uh, scouts at the next level in the NFL, at least, maybe Arena or Canadian Football League. He's just not the biggest kid, doesn't have the strongest arm. He's not the most fleet of foot. So I'm not really sure what he hangs his hat on as far as his skill sets at the next level. Um, I was disappointed to not see the Robertson boys uh, down there, Arizona State. You had the true freshman Merlin Robertson, who didn't make the trip due to a family situation back home. And then Zach Robertson, who I've been studying at left tackle, also didn't play Mm -hmm. 
due to an injury, so didn't get a chance to see them up close. All right, well, let's talk about some of these games this weekend because uh, a lot of interesting prospects taking the field, whether it's, look, we're recording this now uh, Wednesday afternoon. Wednesday night, you've got the Frisco Bowl between San Diego State, Ohio U. To me, the big games to watch there are the San Diego State offensive line, and they've got some guys there uh, that I've that have caught my eye over the course of the last few years. We heard Tony earlier mention the one tight end from San Diego State, so you can keep an eye there in that Very pro-style system yes. there as well, so you can see how it translates to the no, next level. No question. And going up against that Frank Solich defense there at Ohio U, a pro-style defense as well. So Thursday night, we've got the Gasparilla Bowl. Marshall, South Florida. I actually just re-watched this morning the Marshall wide receiver, Ben Tyree Brady. He reminds me a lot of Alshon, man. I mean, he's got a lot of the same traits. Very big, physical kid. He's got outstanding hands. Plays the ball really well in the air. He's not this quick twitch separator that's going to create space for himself as a route runner, but a really interesting guy at the catch point. That would be the guy I'd be watching Thursday night. Friday afternoon, we got Bahamas Bowl, FIU versus Toledo. You and I have talked about Cody Thompson. I think we talked about two weeks ago. Uh, you mentioned that he was a guy that you'd, you were excited to see at the Shrine game. Big kid, a good route runner. Uh, he'll be playing in that game Friday afternoon. And then uh, Friday night, we've got uh, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. We've got Michigan, or Western Michigan, BYU. Western Michigan's got some speed, but nothing that we're talking about in terms of high-end prospects. Really, we start to get into these Saturday games. And Memphis takes on Wake Forest here Saturday afternoon in the Birmingham Bowl. The number one attraction for this game would have been the running back, Darrell Henderson, a junior who declared for the draft. We talked about him earlier with Tony. Ben, I know you've studied Henderson a little bit. Give us some thoughts. We're not going to see him in this game. He's not going to participate. But what have you seen from Henderson when you've watched him on film? Yeah, very productive player. Second in the uh, country in rushing, only behind Jonathan Taylor's 2,000 yards up in uh, Wisconsin. This guy ran for nearly 2,000 yards on just over 200 carries, which is a mind-boggling 8.9 yards per carry. You normally don't see that type of production from players getting a high volume of carries. Normally those are the slashing types, the third down backs that are, you know, having some more uh, lanes and alleys to get Mm. some chunk yardage. So to see nearly nine yards of carry on 200 attempts with 22 touchdowns, you could see the production. I threw on his tape this week just to get a taste of what he does and how he makes his money and where he's getting all these yards from. You could just see the balance, the patience, the agility. He has kind of deceptive speed. Mm-hmm. He's undersized. He's only about 5'9", five, 5'10", five, just over 200 pounds. But his speed when he gets in the open field, it's very, very deceptive. It takes away angles from safeties all the time. He's got the burst to get through the first and second levels of the mm-hmm. defense and the home run speed to get into the end zone and make those defensive backs miss. Very intriguing player. I'm not sure how he's going to test uh, at the yeah. combine. I don't know if he's a 4'4" type of blazing back, but I think he's just a really well-rounded back. I'd love to see him in a, a zone scheme where he can make that one cut and get downhill. Yeah, and then he, I, I agree with you. You, put, you kind of grabbed me, and I watched a few plays with you. Uh, definitely an intriguing player based off some of those highlights I saw. I'm excited to dig deeper into his film. Uh, Saturday afternoon, a little bit later, you got the Armed Forces Bowl, Houston versus Army. Again, what you would imagine would be the number one attraction in that bowl would be Ed Oliver, the defensive tackle, a future top 10 pick. He's not going to play in this game. So if you do watch this game, one guy to keep an eye on, Isaiah Johnson, the corner uh, for Houston as a senior, 6'2", just under 200 pounds. The kid can fly. He can run really well. He's going to be in that sub 4-4 range uh, for a guy that's that big, a former wide receiver as well. So, you know, the guy that can go up and and play the football in the air. Ben, you know, if you're a corner in today's NFL uh, coming into the draft and you've got size, you can run, and you can play the ball, 
you're going to go higher than most people think. We've seen that over the course of the last few years. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's not enough to just have the traits. You can't just have the length and the arm length and the foot speed. you got to be able to play the ball down the field. you got to be able to handle your business in one-on-one situations against these big gazelle receivers that you're going to see in the NFL. Yeah, and then a little bit later on Saturday night, we've got the Dollar General Bowl. So Buffalo versus Troy, and you might look at this and say, like, all right, why am I going to watch this game? Well, Buffalo's got a junior quarterback, Tyree Jackson, big kid. He's over six foot seven, just under two hundred fifty pounds, and he's got a big arm from everything I've heard about the kid. And we've talked in the past. There's a rumor that he could declare for this draft, so uh, he may be throwing his hat into the ring. I would imagine he would be a draft pick, especially in this class. So keep an eye on Tyree Jackson. But then also the wide receiver there for Buffalo, Anthony Johnson. You you have not watched much of Anthony Johnson, right? So I think when you look at Anthony Johnson, you see a guy who's six two, two twenty. Big, strong kid, uh, really good at the catch point. The question you're going to have with him is, is going to be his ability to separate. You know, Does he have the quickness? Does he have the speed to be able to make plays with and without the football? Does he have that ability to separate? That's going to be the big question there with Anthony Johnson. But he is going to the Senior Bowl. You know, I know you value those one-on-ones, uh, those one-on-one drills, wide receivers versus DBs down in Mobile. Absolutely. We're going to see if he could separate within the route, and he's not just a big body that wants to use his physicality at the catch point. He's going to go up against a really intriguing corner for Troy, Blaze Brown, mm. who's a productive Wide receiver, turn corner, came onto the scene with six picks as a sophomore, another five as a junior. He's having a bit of a down year production-wise as a senior, not getting his hands nearly on as many passes, but definitely a good competition for Anthony Johnson this week. And then later, last game of the night, you've got the Hawaii Bowl, 10.30 p.m., and you might say, why why am I going to stay awake for the Hawaii Mm -hmm. Bowl? Well, Two players. One guy you and I have both watched, one guy you and I have not watched, but our buddy Dane Brugger is a big fan of, and that's the, the linebacker from Hawaii, uh, Jelani Tavai, 6'3", 240 pounds. Uh, I know Dane has talked about him as a potential day two pick in this draft, so that's one guy on the Hawaii sideline, but on the Louisiana Tech sideline, you've got the defensive end Jalen Ferguson, a guy that you've watched recently. Yeah, uh, just going back to Jelani real quick, I want to say Dane put out his top 10s last week, and Jelani was, I think, his fourth or fifth okay. uh, linebacker in his top 10 rankings. Nice. So, But it's just getting to that time of the year where names are popping up in these bowl games. We're starting to see the all-star list come out. The names are piling up, and there's really just not enough hours in the day to start watching a lot of these guys. <laughs> My list is just growing and growing. It's another guy I need to watch. But I threw on Jalen Ferguson, and NFL scouts are not surprised from this LaTeX program anymore. They've yeah. been pumping out stars for the last – three, four, five seasons on both sides of the ball, whether it's you know Vernon Butler, Xavier Woods, Kentrell Bryce's. That's anywhere from first-round picks, mid-rounds, undrafted players, the Kenneth Dixons of the world, Carlos Hendersons of the world. Just a really good program down mm-hmm. there. But Jalen Ferguson's a very interesting player off the edge, very productive. 15 sacks this year, 7 sacks last year, 14 and a half sacks three years ago, mm. tons of tackles for loss each season, nearly doubled it from 2017 to 2018 with nearly 24 tackles for loss. But this isn't a wiry, I want to turn the corner and beat everybody with speed type of edge rusher. He's a very well-built, really solid-framed uh, defensive end. He's about 6'5", 262, loves to use his hands, loves to go to those speed power moves, likes to go underneath, plays to the quarterback's depth, retraces a lot. You could see the power in his hands. Very heavy-handed player, will rock a lot of tackles with that initial uh, stab into their chest, has a variety of moves. So I was looking for some comps here. <laughs> 
to try to work in. And, you know, you had a comp already in your mind. I said, yes. don't tell me it. I'm browsing the names, looking at the heights, the weights, the productions of some former combine guys. Came up with three names. I said, hey, you know what? Let me hit you with the first name. I said, give me one that reminds you the most, like right off the bat. I said, I see a little bit of Alex Okafor. Down there in New Orleans Saints, bam, Fran throws his papers, stand up. That's exactly <laughs> who we had listed. I said I was deciding between some other guys, like maybe a Coney Ely. Oh, that was the other guy you had <laughs> written down. So pretty funny that we're seeing it the same way and came yep. up with the, the, you know, the two names identically. I also wrote down Chandler Jones uh, with the Arizona Cardinals sure. and also Preston Smith, who came out of Mississippi State a couple yep. years ago. These are guys that can win with power that aren't just a twitching type of edge rush that wants to bend the corner and use their speed. They're better well-rounded players, which I always like in edge rushers. Yeah, and we'll see more of Ferguson once he goes down to the Senior Bowl. Again, he'll be in Mobile, so we'll get to see him in one-on-ones as a pass rusher. To me, that's going to be big for him. Like If he can go down there and kind of win those one-on-one battles against some of those offensive linemen, against an Andre Dillard, that's going to go a long way for him uh, in terms of helping his draft stock. If he can prove that he can be that kind of guy, because I feel good about him against the run like right off the bat. Like I know he's got the body to hold up at the point of attack. Can he bring some juice off the edge? Yeah, That's if he has a solid week, I think he's just going to reaffirm what scouts saw on tape and say, you know, he's probably a, a mid-round, maybe a back-end of day two. But if he has a dominant week yeah. and really flashes in all the drills and the one-on-ones and has a strong game, this is a player that could be dipping into the back-end of round one. Yeah, wouldn't shock me. Well, Ben, uh, next week we'll talk about your next bowl game and we'll talk about what we saw this weekend. But until then, uh, we'll see you here uh, in the coming days here at the Novacare Complex. Appreciate it as always. Again, you can go follow Ben on Twitter at Ben. Ben Fennel underscore NFL. Uh, we'll t- wrap this up, this podcast here with some Q&A. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the Draft Mailbag. All right, so this week on Draft Mailbag, we're going to go to luxurious Jason on Apple Podcast who asked a question. The Eagles need a lot of love on the D-line this offseason, in my opinion. I really like Jeffrey Simmons and Josh Allen, but I assume that they will both be picked before the Eagles are on the clock. Who else should I be watching that would play well in the Birds' defensive scheme? If we're talking about the top 75, you know, so the Eagles first and both of their second-round picks, here are some guys that I would keep an eye on here, Jason. Defensive tackle, the blue-chip guys are Quinnen Williams, who hasn't declared yet, Ed Oliver, who will probably be a top-10 pick. Uh, those are two guys I'd say definitely going to be out of range. Will Draymond Jones from Ohio State go that high? Will Christian Wilkins from Clemson go that high? I could see situations where either one falls into the middle or late part of round one, potentially, and I love both of them on film. Both Jones and Wilkins, Wilkins are one-gap penetrators who can fly upfield and make plays on the other side of the line. Jerry Tillery from Notre Dame, he's a guy I think fits that same mold. He might be a little bit better against the run. Tillery's a really, really intriguing player. That's a guy I think belongs in the round one discussion more so than what he's currently being talked about. Here are a couple of other guys to also to be aware of. Gerald Willis III, the senior from Miami. He's going to be at the Senior Bowl. Pure three technique. Very quick first step. Lives on the other side of the line. Rennell Wren, who Ben talked about earlier from Arizona State. He's a guy I could see rising up the board because of the way he's built and the athleticism he shows on film. He's a very, very intriguing player. Another guy with that quick first step to change the line of scrimmage in the run game. So keep an eye on Rennell Wren. Jeffrey Simmons, you mentioned him, bit of a quandary to me. You know, there are flashes, but you know, has he put it all together yet? I'm interested to see if he declares for this draft and then how high he goes because I'm not quite in on the top 10 hype that I've seen so far this fall. Then you go to defensive end. You know, Nick Bosa, that's the blue chip guy, guaranteed for the top three. After that, now it gets interesting. Rashawn Gary has been talked about as a top 10 pick for a long time. Our guy Tony Pauline loves him. He's from Plainfield, New Jersey, about 90 minutes north of where I'm sitting right now. He's got great size. He can line up inside. He can line up outside. But 
But like Simmons, you know, can he put it all together? I could see a team pulling the trigger on him in the top 10. I could also envision a scenario where we sit here today where you know he slides a little bit. Maybe he's better value for a team in the teens or latter part of round one. I do think he's going to test crazy at the combine, and that certainly will help his case. Two seniors who have really helped themselves are Josh Allen from Kentucky and Montez Sweat from Mississippi State. Allen is athletic. I love his first step. He can do a lot of things off the edge as a 3-4 outside backer, but I like him most with his hand in the dirt where he has to rush the passer. The upside's really high, but can he keep building off what we saw this year? Then Sweat, this is a guy that our friend Dane Brueger believes could go in the top 20. He looks the part and can come off the ball really well. He's been steadily productive each of the last two years. He's just not quite as flashy as Allen. Brian Burns, smart, athletic, flexible pass rusher from Florida State who declared for the draft. Some analysts think he could go top 10, but how big is he? Can he hold up physically as a three-down player? That'll be the question for him. Cleanland Farrell from from Clemson. He's got size, but is he going to be as juicy a pass rusher as Brian Burns? That's going to be the question there. Polite from Florida. Ja'Kai Polite, we talked about earlier with Tony. Really explosive, really bendy turning the corner. But like Burns, can he be a three-down guy? I love Jalen Jelks from Oregon. The production as a pass rusher just wasn't there. But I love his traits. I love his motor. I love his athleticism, his versatility. There's a lot to like there. That's why I've consistently compared him to a guy like Danell Hunter coming out of LSU a few years back. That's a fascinating class. And a big question, to really, with all of this is, I just rolled off a list of 15, 16, 17 guys. They're all going to be in that mix. Are they all going to go top 60? I'd say that's unlikely. Teams know this. So the question becomes, will it be runs on talent, or will teams feel like they can maybe wait? Not just the Eagles, but any team looking to acquire one of these guys. We won't know that answer until draft weekend. One thing's for sure, teams are going to find talent on the D-line on day two and day three of this draft that they would not in any other given year. There are just too many of them for them all to go as high as they should. So great question there from Jason. Again, if you ever have any questions on the show, feel free. Hit me up on Twitter or just go and leave us a question like he did over on one of our podcast channels. Give us that rating and leave a comment and you'll get on the show. Great stuff this week from Tony Pauline and Ben Fennell and all of you out there listening, whether you're on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app, or any of our podcast platforms. Thank you again for listening as always to the Journey of the Draft podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. We'll talk to you next week.